the Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and creative writing instructor. You can find more about me and my latest novel, Minor Profits, at BlairHurley.com and on Twitter at BHurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly Bites. This week's writing tip is watch out for third person. So this is part of a series of tips I'll be giving all about the choices you have around point of view and perspective. Last time I talked about some of the the beautiful access, control, and power that third-person writing can give you. So this time I wanted to talk more about third-person and start with the downsides and pitfalls of third-person. So as I mentioned last time, one of the problems of third person, or all of the problems of third person, are the kinds of problems that come up when we talk about creative writing problems. The first is the risk of over-analysis. So because we have the ability to analyze, the temptation is often to over-analyze, to over-explain, to tell the reader too much about what something means what a character is feeling, or why we should care. When we think about the oldest creative writing advice in the book, show, don't tell, this applies most often to third person writing because we have this ability to just kind of talk about the story and talk about the characters and tell the reader how to feel and how to think and what is significant about this and here's how my metaphor works. All of those elements of over-analysis can really come in and dominate a third-person narration. The next thing to watch out for is this problem of neutrality. So the default mode of narration is third-person. It's kind of the traditional way that stories are told. And as a result, it can feel a bit old-fashioned and distant and authoritative, and therefore empty and devoid of personality. Increasingly in the 20th century of writing, there's a move away from the old omniscient narrator with this distant, dusty, sort of authoritarian voice. In fact, writers have been interested for more than a century in moving closer and closer and closer to the subjective reality and the experience of their characters. So third person can feel dangerously neutral sometimes, or just kind of removed and distant from the emotions of the action. I find this sometimes, I struggle with it in my own writing, where my first attempt at a scene will often kind of have a chilly air of remove, and I have to remember to heat it up a little bit to get closer, to be willing to be more intimate and more vulnerable in my writing. And the default mode of third person at least for me, is to be a little bit standoffish and therefore have a voice that feels uninspiredly neutral. Finally, another downside of third person is this problem of manipulation. So because we have the power to cut and paste the story as we wish or to step out of this room or to jump across the country or jump through time, it can sometimes feel kind of gimmicky and manipulative. So when writers, when readers feel annoyed by a, a narration, like it's been, it's broken off at an arbitrary cliffhanger, or the narration says, you don't get to know about this bit because now we're going to go over to this scene, it often annoys a reader and makes us feel like the story has become kind of artificial. We want the story to, in some ways, 
mimic or recreate the reality of what it's like to live the events of the story as much as possible. And when a writer gets too clever about pulling the plug here, there, and everywhere, then it starts to feel very artificial and manipulative. Now, the other good thing about third person is that there's more than one kind of third person. There's a whole sort of spectrum of access and intimacy that you can think about using. On one end of the spectrum is what we call the dramatic objective. And that's where we have no access to the characters. It's more like a camera's eye looking at the characters or maybe being a fly on the wall witnessing the scene. We get to hear the dialogue, we get to see their actions, we get to see the scene and draw our own conclusions from that. But we don't get to know what anyone is feeling. The dramatic objective is rarely used entirely in a story. It's usually used in portions of a story, but it can be very effective at showing a scene that has a kind of chilling aura of violence around it, or a sense of menace, or just a sense of mystery where we don't get to know what's going on and we don't know what's in people's heads. And that can create such a wonderful sense of anticipation and dread because after all, people are scary when we don't know what they're going to do or what their true intentions are. Now at the other end of the spectrum is the third person omniscient, which is where we have all access. We get to know what everyone is thinking or we can if the writer chooses. And that's kind of like the traditional mode of War and Peace and other great novels of the 19th century. It still is used from time to time. It tends to have a more traditional or old-fashioned feel. Sometimes it works if you're writing a story that has a fable-like feel, because fairy tales often have this traditional mode of omniscience, and they're less worried about subjective truth and, and modern concerns like that. So it can have this kind of mystical or old-fashioned feel. Somewhere in the middle is where most modern novels, I would say, and stories tend to fall by default these days, and that would be what we call third-person limited, where the story decides to focus on one person, and we get access to that person, so it's limited access, limited to one person. And that's where we can really learn about that person's feelings and thoughts and their experience, and yet we're still sort of intimately rooted in their experience of it. The other popular choice is what we call third-person roving limited, and that's where we have limited access to one person at a time. And you might have strong delineations, section breaks or chapter breaks, that show us that we have now switched perspective to someone else. It's really important to be strict with ourselves about that and to not violate the rules. If we're going to rove, we have to rove in different sections and set them apart because otherwise the narration is just going to feel very muddled, like the writer hasn't made tough choices and hasn't stuck to their original vision of who this story really belongs to. So thanks for listening. The Writerly Bites podcast will be back with micro tips to make your writing better. It's produced by me, Blair Hurley. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit the website at writerlybites.com. Email me at writerlybitespodcast at gmail.com with your favorite tips or questions about the writing life, which I'd love to tackle in future episodes.